Welcome to Growing Older with Gusto. This is your host, Gail Zergerman, and on this podcast, we deal with something everyone faces, growing older. For years, I've been listening to those who have gone before and even blogging about what to do and how to do it. Now it's my chance to share with you these really useful strategies to living life to the fullest. Whether we're 30, 60, or beyond, Growing Older with Gusto explores how to make the most of your life. In each episode, you'll hear from different people and learn how to prosper at any age and with different types of conditions and go about embracing the future. So grab your earbuds and subscribe into our content as we hope that you too will join us on our journey to finding joy and fulfillment and growing older with gusto. Hi, this is Gail Zergerman, host of the podcast Growing Older with Gusto. Welcome. Today we have on the show Ben Sermi, and Ben has a soft spot in his heart for people who have been privileged to grow older. His superpower is in empowering people to thrive no matter what life throws at them. He has taken his skills learned as a caregiver, activity director, home repair coordinator, and lifelong learning center director to create new products and techniques. Currently, Ben is running a person-centered training for over 2,000 employees in eight states. He drives the Kelsch Lab and coaches over 70 wellness directors and 32 plus executive directors who support over 1500 older people. Ben's passion is imagining the impossible and building alliances to make it happen. Let's learn more about what Ben is doing. He has so much to tell us. So welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you, Gail. Pleasure to be here. Um, So nice that you're out in Vancouver and, and I'm here in Southern Florida. But I want to get going and, and hear more about what you're doing. Tell us briefly about how you got started in the field of gerontology. I was sitting at the feet of the older people in my neighborhood as my brothers were out playing basketball, hearing stories of living through World War II concentration camps and recognizing that our elders have so much to share with us. And I began volunteering in retirement communities and I got really angry. And I also felt like I belonged. I felt like I belonged in these amazing places where seniors and younger people all kind of live together through, through, through the work of senior living. But I also got really angry because I saw the greatest generation sitting around watching Judge Judy and playing bingo. And I was like, there's gotta be more to life than that as when we turn 60. Like there's gotta be more to life. Let's talk to our listeners who are really interested, I'm sure, about some of your new age tech products and services that are going to help people grow older with gusto. Yeah, so I mean, that's definitely a big interest of mine because, you know, there, there's not been a lot of innovation around aging for a very long time. And so there is a huge amount, billions of dollars being poured into services, technologies, products that can make the lives of older people and their families better. And so it's very interesting to be living during this past five years where there's just this powerful surge of investment in that arena. And so I think it's, it's fascinating to see what designers are coming up with, even people who've never, like they don't have much experience with older people maybe, but there's now the money telling them, hey, use your design skills to create products and services that actually help people. So that's kind of what got me interested in in really looking at that to see how could that maybe benefit our seniors at Kelsch, because we have 40 communities 
across eight states, is there things that could help our seniors and the families that we work with? So that initially got me interested. So what's some of the latest products that you're working on? Well, one of the, one of the products is really um, a great example of um, kind of a new era of technology, which brings together the physical world and the digital world. Because for a long time, all innovation is pretty much all digital, like it's all digital. But there's this new era of how can we use the digital to enhance the physical world, to enhance real relationships, et cetera. And so there's this company out of France called Familio. And what they've been pioneering over in Europe is a tool that bridges the generational divide. Because I don't know if you're aware, but I'm sure you are, but we have a generation living in our retirement communities who love paper-based communication. They want a postcard. They want a letter from their family. They could care less about FaceTime. They could care less about digital things on a screen, right? They love paper because that's how you showed love throughout their entire life was through a real letter or a real postcard. But then we work with families who are in a generation where you don't even own stamps, but right? you literally don't have a stamp in the house. And how do you get both of those generations connecting? So Familio created a tool where the elders receive a full color magazine every Monday morning with pictures and messages from their family that was all entered digitally in an app, right? So it bridges that generational divide and creates that powerful communication. So we, we piloted that at Kelsch Innovation Lab and then saw, this is amazing. So we rolled it out across the company. So that's one example of a tool. Is there a name for that product or? Yeah, it's called Familio, F-A-M-I-L-E-O. And it's actually available to families who their loved ones living at home alone. Like it's not just for people whose loved one is in a retirement setting, a senior living setting. How would somebody find it? If somebody wanted to buy the product, where would they go? They'd go to familio.com. Yeah, familio.com. I do it with my own grandpa. Yeah. Grandpa lives at home alone. He gets a magazine from us every Monday, all of us grandkids, because I love it. That's really cool. Anything else that comes to mind that is... Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'm one of the pilots we're doing right now with a doctor of physical therapy, Dr. Colin Hubler, and he spent you know, his whole career running physical therapy uh, clinics around the Portland metro area. And what he saw is he would also do home visits. He'd go to seniors' homes and he would go to seniors' homes if they were even in a senior living community. And he saw that there was just no real connection between the physical therapy visit and then making the things that they were learning sustainable through the week. And so the progress was, you could never get where you needed to go. And he also saw that in senior living settings and in homes where seniors live by themselves, that sitting is the norm, just sitting all the time. And even exercise classes were done sitting. And yet all the science shows that sitting is killing us. And the science shows that sitting exercises will not help you prevent falls. And so, but how do you deal with that? Because most settings, you're afraid to help a senior who's wobbly stand because you're afraid that they might fall under your watch. So he created a tool, it took him 20 years to create it called S3 Balance. It's basically like a really big walker, <laughs> but it's just like 800 pound uh, stability. And in 10 minutes a day, you do just the super basic exercises where you get yourself to a point 
where you're about ready to fall over, but your hand is right over the bars. And so you can stop yourself, but you keep yourself in that zone for about 10 minutes. And the results are fantastic that he's getting at different locations. Uh, like what he told me that um, he just went into one place and over three months, he had a cohort of about 20 people. And those 20 people among them shared about 20 to 40 falls a month. After three months of just doing 10 minutes a day of the standing exercise, they were down to about four falls a month. So ridiculously a phenomenal outcome. So we're, we're piloting, piloting that as well to see how does it work in our setting. Um, let's uh, talk now a little bit about what you refer to as a humanity technique. What is that exactly? Okay, yeah, so that's, that's really interesting. Um, you know, here in America, we like to think we are the cutting edge. We've got, we're the bee's knees. We're at the front end of technology and progress in the United, in the world. But over in Europe, um, they've been doing for 40 years this, this care technique called humanitude. Um, and it's spread throughout some of the Asian countries as well. So it's in Europe and Asia. And, you know, I happened to see a flyer, a very poorly done flyer that was like 50 bucks, come learn about humanitude. And uh, it was at uh, OHSU hospital. And I was like, what the heck is this? I went to the website and the website was terrible and in another language. And I was like, but I ended up going and I got to hear from the founders who very rarely come to America, but they happened to come to America because the, the head of gerontology at the hospital had been to Japan and seen the results among the seniors and was like, what are you guys doing here? We need this in America. And they said, oh, we work with Humanitude from France. And so these, these the founders of this wow. um, program were sharing. And what they were sharing was just this whole other way of looking at how you do care. And they had developed 150 techniques that a caregiver can come into a room to take care of an older person and be successful. Um, and sometimes it's hard to explain something who's outside the field, but I'm trying to give a good example. In our country, in the United States, most training is very theoretical. It's very, um, here's the theory. Now you as a caregiver need to go figure out how to make it happen. What was unique about this French model that was actually developed by physical education teachers who had been roped into working in a nursing home and couldn't handle the abuse and neglect they were seeing and came up with a whole system. What's, what's interesting is it's very physical, right? It's not, here's a bunch of theory. Now go figure out how to walk into that shower when someone's throwing shit at you and figure out how to have a good experience with that person with dementia. You can't do that if you have a high school education and you're a CNA and you've got all this theory and PowerPoint, it's not going to help you. But this training is developed for people to be able to memorize specific physical technique, communication technique, walk into awkward situations and actually have results. Um, it's, it's designed to be done over four days for a caregiver um, where they actually deliver care during that four days using the techniques with a nurse watching them use the techniques versus in America, most of the time it's separated from the residents or the patients and it's in a PowerPoint classroom, maybe some role play, and then they got to go out and figure out how to make it work in the real world. Well, you're saying it's much more practical than theoretical. Very practical. And it's yes. more effective because it is practical. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's memorizable. Right. It's not just, oh, here's 150 communication tips. 
It's <laughs> very practical stuff. Um, so yeah, we piloted that. And in our pilots, I mean, crazy stuff would happen. We'd have, we'd do four days with 12 caregivers and we would give them the hardest, most challenging situations. People who were screaming, people who were refusing to receive any care at all, people who wouldn't sleep in their own bed, but would walk all night. And we saw like results after just four days, people sleeping again and weren't sleeping, people walking, weren't walking people, um, speaking who nobody thought could speak. I mean, it was insane how after four days, we'd see things like that. Wow. Share with our listeners some interesting stories about what happens when you use this technique. Well, we had a gentleman who refused, and he was a gentleman with dementia, mm -hmm. and he refused to take any showers with anybody except for his own daughter. Right. And as you can imagine, probably, Gail, you probably speak with a lot of family caregivers who are trying to live a really empowered um, uh, encore years. And they're trying to take care of a mom or dad with dementia and it is sucking the life out of them. Right. And so here's this daughter who wants a life. Right. And she's getting called to come in and give her dad a shower multiple times a week because nobody can get dad to shower. So the team started practicing these techniques. And by day four, he was accepting showers from the team, didn't need his daughter anymore, right? Like really, really powerful freedom for that daughter to know now that she does not need to come in and give her dad a shower. So then if somebody isn't, or parent has dementia, but let's say they're not in a college community, but they're at home taking care of a mother or father with dementia. Mm -hmm and they wanted to use this technique, is there somewhere they could go to learn it? Or somewhere well, teach them? You know, so Humanitude is actually piloting a family caregiver course online. It's, I don't think it's as powerful as the, you know, in-person classroom training with, we had to fly them in from France, you know, because um, there's one English speaker who knows how to train this in the world right now. Um, so, but they did put together a English family caregiver training online. That's multiple modules that a family can take and at least get some pieces to start implementing at home. Um, and um, it's, I believe that's available. If you go to their website, they'll have their contact information at humanitude. I think it's .fr for France, humanitude.fr. Um, but they can also email me and I'm sure you'll have my contact info in the show notes. Right. Yeah. Um. Tell us about the Kelsh community. What is it exactly for our listeners? Well, it's, it's Kelsh. Kelsh. Oh, it's, sorry. it's hard to name the, the name. I yeah. think of a beer. Well, you know. yeah. <laughs> Kelsh. Uh, yeah. Um, Aaron and Judy Kelsh, they, um, his, his parents were very pioneering and established one of America's very first assisted living communities back in the 1970s. Um, they built one of America's very first, before they were, you know, doing this, you pretty much chose live at home or live in a nursing home. That was your choice, right? And so they built this new model where, oh, you had your own apartment, all this privacy, a locked door, I meant a locked door. Um, you had a closet, you had, you had space for stuff, you could have a pet, right? Like things that were unheard of for seniors that needed some support. And then along with that apartment came caregiving, nursing, meals, transportation, activities, laundry, house, all that stuff, right? And so seniors could like have a little more independence, not rely on their family, but not have to live in a nursing home, right? Where you're sharing a bedroom with somebody and you're 
you know, almost no space and no, no life, right? Because you have to do whatever the, the nursing system tells you. So it was very innovative for the 1970s. And so Aaron is their son and he's continued the tradition of innovation um, with memory care and with independent living. Um, he's taken those two on head on and really tried to recreate what was, what was possible. So how do you predict that these different innovations you've talked about and the humanitude techniques are going to weave together in the future to improve the quality of life as we grow older and enable us to stay active longer? Well, I think that, you know, what we're experiencing in the United States right now is a, a, a time in which um, most of us live our life already, even before we're older, using different tools to help us live well, right? Like you might have an Apple watch that helps you track your sleep. You might have an app that helps you meditate. You might have a, a food box delivery service that helps get you, you know, green smoothies and quinoa bowls, right? You might have a tool that helps you get to the airport with having to wake your friends up in the middle of the night to take you to the airport, right? We're, we're kind of used to using a variety, a variety of tools at our disposal to help us live well, right? Connect with friends, live a little more independently and not have to rely on our friends for everything. Um, and also live, you know, a more fit life, et cetera. Right. So I think what we're seeing is there's a, a hunger to be able to use a variety of tools that we can customize what we use for our situation as we get older. Right. I mean, our, our needs change as we get older, but we still have needs. Just like, I, you know, I have needs right now for childcare. I have needs for transportation, for getting my car fixed. My, I, and I can find tools to help me with all those things. But when you get older, sometimes it looks like, okay, I've got, um, you know, I've got this nursing home down the street. I've got this home care agency. I've got hospice. And I got a little transportation medical company that I have to wait on hold for five hours to get, you know, and so we feel like our tools are limited, right? So I think what we're seeing now is there's just a an, uh, an in, influx of design to help create tools that are actually user-friendly for older people. You know what I'm saying? Like where it's a good experience to get the help you need versus a bad experience, right? And so my hope is what we're gonna see is that the same way that you and I at our age can expect good customer service when we need something, and we're willing to pay for it, um, that when we're older and we're willing to pay for it, we're also gonna get good customer service. We're gonna get a good user experience. We're not gonna be having to run around the block, you know, 20 times while we wait on hold to get the help that we need. We're gonna have it at our fingertips. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say? When you say at our fingertips, so explain to me what that involves. Like how, if I'm, you know, lucky enough to make it into my 80s or 90s um, and I wanted some of these products or services, how would they become available to me? How would I become aware of them? How would I access them? That's a that's a great question. And I, I will say, as I look at the, uh, I'm in different meetings with startups and with um, founders of companies that are trying to help older people. One of the things I think they have a lot of trouble with is, is figuring out how to get the message to the families to the elders that this is now available, right? They're really 
struggling to figure out, okay, I've got this great product, this great service. How do I actually get it to the people? That is definitely one of the biggest challenges. I wouldn't be surprised if um, what you see happen is the is Amazon and um, Walmart and Best Buy and some of these really big companies kind of curate some of the various products that are out there and add it to kind of their portfolio because they already have a relationship with the end user, right? They already have a relationship with the customer. Um, so I think that that's one direction we're gonna see is it's the, the people who have the big brands that everybody knows about, the Walgreens, et cetera. When you walk in as an older person, there's these suite of tools that are available and you, oh, I'd like that, I'd like that. Um, I think there's also a real opportunity for companies like ours, right? Where we're interfacing with hundreds of families every day to really continue educating our professional advisors across the country in the suite of tools that are available so that they can help families navigate, oh, hey, you're looking for this, but this would also help you, right? Um, so I'm not sure if that answers your question, but it is one of the biggest challenges age tech faces is getting the message out to the end user. And I'll give a, a very practical example. So I'm an advisor for Joe and Bella. Joe and Bella is a fashion brand that is is um, that we've we've integrated into our communities so our families can have easy access and discounts. But it's a fashion brand that wants to make adaptive clothing, right? Clothing that what if you're in a wheelchair, you're using a walker, you're using Depends, you're you know things are not going quite right in some aspect of your body, you can still wear super fashionable clothing that is easy to take off, easy to get on that is easy to pull over a shoe, you know, like really, really functional clothing that's super fashionable. And one of the pivots Joe and Bella made, which I think is, is awesome, is they found incredibly attractive older models um, to model all of their clothing. And they are working very hard with um, the people who designed Lululemon in order to design their clothing so that it becomes that is, accessible to everybody. That's great. I'm going to have to wrap this up soon, but just one last question. Um, we often hear about the importance of lifelong learning as a way to keep our momentum going. Could you tell us quickly about the program that you're initiating right now between the Kelsch community and Washington State University in just like two minutes? Yes, absolutely. You're very excited about this project. It's a it's a campus being built across the street from Washington State U University in Vancouver. So it'll be a huge independent living, huge assisted living, lots of cottages. And the older people who live there will have a learning concierge who connects them to things within the city and the college that are will help them achieve their goals. So this learning concierge meets them, gets to know them, hears what they want to do with their life, the things that they want to achieve, and then connects them with a class at the university, a service project at the university, a, a, a mentor at the university, or an opportunity somewhere else in the city, such as the symphony or the, or the motorcycle club, right? Whatever is on their bucket list, whatever is on the thing that they want to accomplish in their life, that London concierge is charged with connecting the dots for that older person. And so we're looking at seeing a really interesting a weaving of lives between the professors, some who will be staying at the university when they travel uh, from other locations to this university. We'll be seeing our elders as guest speakers over in the classes at the university. We'll be seeing students coming over doing their final presentations with our elders 
right? It's a very unique kind of cultural experience for seniors who don't want to stop learning and want easy and access. A to great that. way to offer an intergenerational way of connecting. Yes, absolutely. So Ben, I'm out of time, but I want to thank you for an enlightening and dynamic conversation that I know our listeners are going to enjoy hearing. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you listeners for listening to Growing Older with Gusto. We're available on almost any podcast platform and our YouTube channel. Be sure to take a listen to this latest episode with Ben Sermi. Thank you. Thanks, Gail. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growing Older with Gusto. I'm Scott Winteroth, co-producer, and on behalf of Gail Zuggerman and myself, we would like to invite you to our website for additional resources on Growing Older with Gusto, as well as past episodes of the show. Please consider sharing this podcast with a friend. Or if you know someone who is Growing Older with Gusto, please have them contact us so we can interview them on the show. Our contact information is on our website. Thank you. This podcast is a front and social production. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Mm -hmm.